Welcome to the Automators. I'm David Sparks and joined by my co-host, Rosemary Orchard. And this is where we talk about how to automate your technology to do your work for you. Hello, Rose. Hey, how are you, David? Good. I am excited about today's episode. We're going to be talking about automation with Dev and Think, which is a topic <sighs> near and dear to my heart. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too. I mean, people think of Dev and Think as kind of like a finder replacement on steroids, but there's a lot more to it. And uh, we're going to dive deep on today's episode. Uh, before we get started, however, uh, Rose, uh, we for our bonus segment today, we're going to talk about how specifically you and I are using Dev and Think. I mean, the, the episode is going to be all about automation tools, but I thought it'd be fun to kind of dig in deep on what we're doing with it these days. And uh, mm-hmm. so we'll be doing that for the for the supporters, if you'd like to be a supporter, just head over to relay.fm slash automators. You can sign up there. You get an ad-free version of the show, and you get some extra content on every episode. So that's fun, right? Let's, let's do is. that. Um, do you want to start talking? Actually, before we get into Devin, thank Rose. I just saw you got your uh, Mac Studio now. How's it going? I did. It's it's great. I love it. Um, so as I expected, uh, you know, this is a lot more powerful than the M1 iMac. Now, I should clarify that for the vast majority of people, including podcasters, I am sure the M1 iMac can do absolutely everything that they want and need and more. Um, my my problem was specifically related to programming, where I was doing a lot of very intensive stuff simultaneously, um, you know, like running multiple JavaScript applications and one or more rent, uh, simulations of an iOS application to track down a bug between, you know, the app and the server where you needed to add debugging and stuff. And it's it's tricky when you're doing that sort of thing. And this studio is just so powerful and so tiny that it's just amazing and wonderful. I love it. And you're, and you're still using it with that gigantic screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The 32-inch ultra-wide has gone absolutely nowhere. Now, the fun thing is, as we as we record this episode, um, as the episode releases, I'm actually um, on holiday in New York. That is also the day that Apple is currently estimating that they will be delivering my Apple Studio display to me. So um, we're going to see what happens there. It, I mean, it says the window is, um, you know, uh, the 20th of May to the 7th of June. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this partially because, um, you know, it's an Apple Studio display. Well, why not? Um, but also because I'm going to be switching between portrait and landscape with it, David. Um, and I think that that's something that is really interesting. There are plenty of monitors where if you rotate them, you can change the screen settings to say it's portrait or it's landscape. But I like the ios of this, where theoretically I rotate it and it just knows that I rotated it. And bam, I'm, I'm done. Um, and so I think together they're going to be an incredibly powerful combination, but this 32 inch ultra wide screen is going absolutely nowhere. Yeah. All right. Well, next episode, you have to give us all a picture. Well, fingers crossed. I'll actually have it, uh, by then I've got a visa mount ready. Um, but I, I, I have no studio display and not even a tracking number right now. So we'll have to see, but it, it should be pretty good. Um, and you know, the Mac studio and in fact, all of the Macs are are just great for doing so many automation things because it's just so easy to do. It's all built right in there. Everything is everywhere. And actually, I think that's one of the things that makes Devin think a great topic for today's today's episode, because it means that I have everything everywhere in the exact same structure. And then my magic happens, you know, where it needs to happen, regardless of where I've added a document to it. How are you doing storage on your Mac Studio? I mean, did you just get a big internal drive or you got some, oh, some stuff no. hanging off of it? 
I've got a, a one terabyte internal SSD. Um, I have um, actually two Synologies at home. I've got one which I've specifically dedicated to all of my media stuff. I've been ripping DVDs and stuff for uh, myself and, and for some family members for years um, and running a Plex server on that so that I can, you know, just watch whatever it is I want. And some things are really hard to get. Did you know that you can't stream Diagnosis Murder anywhere? You know, the the, the murder mystery series with Dick Van Dyke as the, wow. the doctor solving yeah, crimes. I remember, I remember you, that, yeah. Yeah, it's streaming. At least here in the UK, I I can't legitimately stream it from any service. I'm sure there's multiple websites out there where I could just watch it, but you know, I actually wanted it. So you know, buying DVDs from eBay and Amazon and and, and ripping them so that I can watch them on my my TV myself um, is the solution. And so I've got one technology for that, and I've got another one which is some documents and stuff that I use at home and and time machine backups and and so on. Um, and then other than that, I'm looking actually. Satechi have a Mac. Um, mini slash studio sort of stand kind of thing. It basically sits exactly under and is the same shape and size, um, at least width and, and depth, not height wise, as the Mac Studio. And the idea is it adds some ports to the front, which is really important if you've got, say, a Mac Mini and you are going to be unplugging and plugging stuff at the back all the time. That's that's really frustrating. Um, or um, if you are um, you know looking to add another hard drive to your Mac. Um, you can put an M2 SSD in there. And I'm considering that for just like shoving all the other stuff off that I want, to, that I don't want on my device. But the problem that I've got is I've got a lot of stuff in Dropbox and Dropbox doesn't like you splitting the location of things. And they've got a bit funny recently where they've started, or at least they told me um, when I've put some links in things on my Mac, a symbolic link is basically telling the file system, hey, this file is actually over here. An alias is kind of like going, hey, so if you go go over here, then you're going to find it. But a, a symbolic link is more like, ta-da, I'm here. And it appears that you're here. But actually, when you go to touch it, it's like a magic mirror. You, your hand goes through uh, the mirror to the other side to, to grab it. Yeah, it kind of fakes out the operating system. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it, this is something that's been able to be done on, on operating systems, mostly Unix-based for absolutely donkey's ears. I found Dropbox is a little bit funny about that. And I know previously I've had difficulty syncing Dropbox to an external SSD, which technically this would be. So I'm undecided what way I'm going to go there, but I don't feel like I'm hurting for storage space at all right now. So I think I'm going to be fine. I just tend to offload things to uh, Dropbox in the cloud and have that sync down to my Synology um, via the, the cloud sync service um, for anything that I want to keep, but I don't need on my device. Well, there's no way I would be able to fit my stuff on a one terabyte drive. I mean, just the photos library alone for me is huge. So mm. it just mm. depends. But, you know, um, we're all, uh, I think it's something we're all figuring out. Like, do you, how much yes. internal storage you need? You can get pretty fast external SSDs, but nothing can match oh, yeah. the speed of the internal drives. I mean, the new... Mac Studio and the M1 Max, the way they have that, basically the storage right on the chip, it is so fast. It is really hard to beat that. It really is, yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you like your new machine. I'm looking forward to hearing how you put an Apple Studio display next to a super wide monitor. I mean, it just seems like it's going to be... just going to float over on the right, just like my iMac currently does. Only my iMac's not floating because I didn't yeah. get the Visa mount one. So my iMac is actually a bit lower than my monitor, which is unfortunate. What are you doing with the iMac then? So um, I actually had uh, an Intel Mac Mini, which was the machine I was using before the iMac as my um, home server. And I have decided 
um, that the M1 iMac is so much more power efficient than the Intel Mac Mini. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, totally. iMac is going to be my home server. Um, and this sounds insane because space-wise, like physical space-wise, I absolutely agree. It is far from efficient. But from a power perspective, it's much better. And also it means if I need to do something on the machine, I don't have to have another machine to be able to see what's going on. I don't have to run a long HDMI cable across my office um, or anything like that. I can literally just pull out the Bluetooth um, keyboard that I keep behind it, you know, turn on the display and bam, I'm in. Um, so that that's what I'm going to be doing with that. Um, and, you know, it thus far it works pretty well. Also, universal control, um, I've had to disable it on it because I've, I've already moved the iMac behind me um, and uh, I lost my mouse the other day. I was very confused. Turned out I had accidentally pushed off the side of my screen and my mouse was on the iMac behind me. Yeah. <laughs> so I had yeah. to disable universal control on that because that was very confusing and mentally figuring out, wait, which which direction did I push in to get my mouse over there and how do I get it back now was uh, confusing. You know, universal control is such a game changer for me with an oh, attached yeah. iPad. I, maybe there's a future episode of Automators where we talk about our setups for doing different kinds of work because between universal control and screen setups and some things, there there's, there is a lot of automation I'm using there. So maybe that's a future episode. Oh, yeah. But Definitely. either way, today we're here to talk about DevonThink. And uh, DevonThink is one of those apps that's been around a really long time on the Mac. And um, it's a small development team. And, you know, it started out life as a kind of like a finder. It's really hard to categorize, Devin, think, but it really is, in yeah. my mind, kind of like a finder replacement. It holds mm. files, but it adds like layers upon layers of extra power to that, something that yes. automators should really love. I mean, so separate from the automation stuff we're going to get into today. Like one of the things you can do with Devon think is you can attach a link to anything in your Devon think database, whether it's a folder, which they call groups or it's a specific file or even just a specific page on a specific PDF. Um, there's a whole mechanism for creating those links. And as a result, if you're someone like me who likes to be able to jump, uh, you know, contextually on a project to, the project documents versus the project information or an email or whatever, DevonThink holds all that and links to it externally and internally. So you can make it like a, a really fast way to hold things together. Yes. Yeah. For me, it's sort of my personal document management system. You know, I have documents that I store in Dropbox and things like that, like recordings for this podcast episode. Those go into Dropbox. They get categorized and filed into the folders. And GM, our lovely editor, picks them up and stuff. But that's that's working documents that are, you know, actively being, having stuff done with, being transformed. But the things that I'm, I'm just, I'm keeping and the things that I need to reference, for me, that's the sort of thing that I I want in a, in a system where I know where everything is. And if I set it up on a new machine, I don't forget to sync this folder with Dropbox or something like that. I've got my database. If I've got my database, I've got everything important. Yeah. And, and that's just it. I mean, once you start storing things in there, you get all those power tools. And um, there are versions for the Mac. There's also versions for the iPad and iPhone, which are more recent um, not quite as mature, but they've been putting a lot of effort into those as well lately. Um, they've got a reliable sync engine and you've got different ways you can sync stuff. You can use Dropbox, you can use iCloud, you can use your own server if you want. And importantly, you can attach your own password before the sync. 
So it is effectively end-to-end encryption, as far as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a just a great way to work with all this stuff. And from an automation level, the fact that you can see it on your phone or your iPad means you can add tags and labels and things on a mobile device. And then using some of the tools we're going to talk about later in the show, you can have all the work happening on the back end. So, you know, getting back to kind of your Mac mini server, it can be running dev and think full time on your, on your database and always be applying those rules. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and, and that's just something that works so well because a lot of the things that, you know, we do, and we've talked about over the years and there's to be clear, nothing wrong with those. And I'm personally still using things like Hazel on my, my iMac as it is now my, my home Mac server to, you know, pick up stuff and move it around and rename things and organize stuff like things like my downloads folder and stuff that all still gets managed by that. But the ability for me to just go, Hey, this is a document. I need to keep it. It needs to go somewhere safe. Like it, it's important. Um, and even like partially file something already. Um, so for example, if I'm, if I get a, a new appliance or I'm, I'm looking for something, how do I do this thing with this device again? And then I, I realize, wait, I don't have the manual for it. Okay. I'll download the manual and put it straight into the manuals folder inside of DevonThink or group actually it's, it's a group rather than a folder. And then I know, you know, that's done. And then magic happens in DevonThink when I'm, I'm back on my Mac, but you don't have to have an always on Mac because the next time, you know, you open up your Mac, the stuff does just happen and pick it up because you already, you know, all the documents are already there. It's not waiting to suck them in necessarily, which is just great. Indexing versus importing. I think that's something kind of, we need to talk about with DevonThink before we get started. Yes. Yeah. I think it's it's really worth looking at because they are two very different ways of working, um, both of which come with benefits and potentially downsides, depending on your point of view. But essentially indexing is, these are my files. They are organized how I want them to be organized. They are in my file system. I want DevonThink to sit on top of that and read and you know give me all of the searching capabilities and so on on top of what is already there and find out where it's importing is basically these files now go and they live inside DevonThink. Now, just to be clear, the DevonThink database is still a, a, a folder, which essentially it's a package. You can go spelunking and it looking for the files if you needed to, um, but you, you shouldn't do that. Um, if you import it in DevonThink, it just goes into DevonThink. It lives in DevonThink. Um, and then, you know, DevonThink can rearrange things and move stuff around for you without breaking any of the stuff that you had set up with folders and things like that. Um, and so I personally prefer importing over indexing, but I do use indexing still for things like uh, certain folders, which automatically get imported. Um, and also uh, my Obsidian database um, so that everything that is in Obsidian stays where it is because, you know, I, I've organized that, how that makes sense. Um, and then, you know, um, everything else is imported. How do you do things? Uh, just like you, I, I import almost always. And there's yeah. a few, like if I have a shared folder and I want Devon thing to do its magic on stuff there, but for today's purposes, especially when you're thinking about taking on Devon think as an automation tool, um, I think importing is way easier than referencing or indexing because, uh, you're not going to get the results you th- always think you will when you're working with external files. Yeah. If you want Devon Think to do its automation magic, you really need to have the files inside Devon Think. And um, there's really no downside to doing that. 
the um, the way DevonThink works, it's a it is not what I would call a Roach Motel app. You know, when you put the files no. in, you can just drag them back out. DevonThink will add some extra metadata while the files are in DevonThink, but when you pull them out, it's not like their names get garbled or file formats change. It's just you just literally drag files out of DevonThink, and that's the export process. So you really don't have anything to lose. And uh, if you want to automate with it, you should import those files. Yeah, to, to note, importing is the default option um, because basically if you import, your database is a portable database so it can go anywhere and do anything. Um, and you can, you know, indexing is integrated with the file system, which means you rename it in DevonThink and it renames in, in Finder. Um, and and they, they, they go both ways. And I would recommend checking out the user guide, page 52, um, to see precisely what it says there. And I'm actually going to put a link um, to the forums um, for Devon think um, where they that somebody's had a thread and this thread's been going on for a while where people discuss the pros and cons of indexing versus importing. But generally, I'd recommend unless you've got a very good reason for it, go with importing over indexing. It makes life much easier and gives you you know more power and everything is definitely all in your database. This episode of the Automators podcast is brought to you by Collide, endpoint security powered by people. Try Collide for 14 days free, no credit card required. Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Mac, Linux, and Windows devices right inside of Slack. It's perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. Instead of frustrating your team, Collide educates your employees about security and device management while directing them to fix important problems themselves. Collide knows that for IT admins, the key to solving some of the most important security issues is to educate end users. They do this by instructing developers to set passphrases on unencrypted SSH keys, finding plain text two-factor backup codes, and teaching end users how to store them securely, and encouraging employees to uninstall bad browser extensions that may sell their browser history. Those are just some of the many use cases not solved by locking down devices. Your security policy and your employees don't need to be at war. They can work together and Collide can help you get there. You can try Collide with all its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days. There's no credit card required. Just use the link in our show notes. Try it out at collide.com automators. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash automators. And if you enter your email when prompted, you'll get a free Collide gift bundle after trial activation. Our thanks to Collide for their support of the Automators podcast and all of Relay FM. Uh, before we, we went to the ad break, you were talking about the forums. In addition, if you want to learn more about DevonThink, I have a field guide for you. Um, so I have the DevonThink field guide. I, I have lost track of how many hours it is. I think it's like seven hours. But it, it is, there's an hour of material in there about all the automation stuff we've got. There's an hour's worth of videos on automating DevonThink. And for, let's say, two weeks after this episode ships, if you use the code Hooray Automators with no space, you'll get $10 off. But um, all the stuff we're going to talk about today, I have walkthroughs for you in video format in the Devon Think Field Guide. So check that out if you're interested. Let's start with, I think, the most basic automation tool of Devon Think, which is group creation. And anytime we say groups today, you need to think 
folders and uh, so creating folders yeah. you can do in dev and think uh, pretty easily the the first way is to just you know select well you can create a group like multiple methods but uh, to do it with a group of files you just select the files and then you right click and say create new group from folder there's a very similar um, action in the finder and this is the kind of manual way to create a folder or slash group around a group of files in dev and think but mm-hmm. where it picks up is there's a really cool tool in um, dev and think where and this is a historical tool where it will use the artificial intelligence. And we haven't mentioned it yet, but one of Devin Thank's selling points is that it's really invested in AI in terms of uh, search and and recognizing what a file is and what a file contains. And so they yeah. had this cool trick where you can say automatically group these you know files into folders for me. And since then, DevonThink has got even smarter, and there's some new methods like classify, which we're going to talk about later, where I think the developers really want you to focus on that. But that tool is still there. So if you hold yeah. down the shift key while right-clicking in DevonThink, you can there's an option that opens up called group similar items. And so if, let's say you've got a 50 files on in a folder and you want to group them. Well, you select them hold down the shift key right click and then say group similar items and then dev and think will look at the files and do the best it can to sort those files into folders for you automatically um and it's really crazy how it works and sometimes i do this and it's like magic and sometimes it's a mess you know it doesn't always get it right but the fact that the app is willing to try and automatically create groups for me and put the files in them it's kind of awesome. Do you ever use that feature? I do. Um, I have to say, um, because a lot of what I've done over the years is with getting things into DevonThink, I've done it in an automated fashion and gone, well, I know that this, you know, it's coming from this folder. It's going to be a payslip. So please not only import it, but also, you know, add these tags to it and, and yeah. shove it in this folder while you're at, or shove it in this group. Things are already grouped. So when I right click, and then I hold the shift key, group similar items gets grayed out because my items are already grouped. Yeah. Um, but if you were importing a bunch of things, and I have this periodically where I'm I'm finished with a folder of something or a couple of folders and I've I've left it a while and then I I, I dump it into my my Dev and Think inbox. And then it's like, oh gosh, I need to import it. It's like, no, 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 right click, group similar items, and then you know, figure out what to do with that later. And especially with the suggestion for the naming um that comes up the the ai you know tries to pick stuff from the names like you can see pretty clearly how it's figured things out and i find it works incredibly well and you know it's it's just computer figuring out what to do and the best part of it is you know if if it if it does it and you think actually no no um looking at this i've decided i want to do things completely differently instead of instead of categorizing uh lego by um size we're going to categorize it by color of yeah. course we are um you know i'm using an example that somebody at work uh came up with today her daughter has seen a video on youtube and wants to organize all of her lego by color um so um you know but if you see that you can just undo it's literally just command z or edit undo just like you have in every other application and and that is one of the great things you you know, you do something and then you you change your mind. You can just undo, um, even if it's moved loads of different things around as part of that. Yeah, and uh, but but that and honestly, because of some of the features we're going to talk about later, 
I think the reason why this is somewhat hidden is because there's better ways to do this stuff now where it can look at the files and do a better job of categorizing it for you and assist you in getting the files moved. Um, this feels a little bit more like a blunt tool, um, but they mm -hmm. did not take it out of the toolbox, which is great because if you want to do that, that that's definitely a way to do it. You want to talk a little bit about groups versus folders? Yeah. So one of the things is, you know, what is essentially a folder in Devon think is called a group. Um, and I find this can be very useful for helping me remember that this isn't finder. So I actually have two top level groups inside of my, my Obsidian database. One is called auto import, and that has index folders inside of it, which are then going to import stuff into Devon thing. And then the other one contains index folders, but other than that, everything is a group. And this reminds me that it's not Finder. It's not exactly the same as the file system. And I can, you know, do different things with it. And because I've got all of the extra magic associated with it, and I can favorite a group, which just puts it at the top level. And this can be really helpful when you're working on a project or going through organizing a bunch of different things, because you can use that as your basis and you can create new smart groups from groups um, and new smart rules from groups as well as that. But you don't have to, you know, you don't, you don't have to do those things, but it is just, there's more power to a group than just a plain old folder. I know folders have folder actions in Finder. If you find them when you're going looking for them, congratulations, you have done something that it took me a long time to do when my mom accidentally set up a folder action on her Mac and couldn't undo it. Um, but it's a lot easier, I find, to, to do that with uh, Devon think. Um, you can also um, mark entire folders as sort of locked, which basically just means nothing can go in or out of it. It's 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 frozen exactly as it is right now. You can flag them and mark everything in them as unread by you know marking your group as unread. Um, and there's also replicate and duplicate options when you're looking at them. But what I really like about the the groups in Devon think is you can copy a link to a group as well as copying a link to a specific item, or as you mentioned earlier, David, a page inside of an item, which means that, you know, you can say, okay, like all of the things in this group are relevant to this thing that I need to do. So for example, if um, I, well, when I bought my, 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 my place where I live now, I had a whole bunch of different documents and I, had them in a group. They're now um, split up and organized uh, more appropriately into different groups. But when I was able to do that, I was able to say, okay, right, we are moving this to over here and I'm going to duplicate this subgroup into that. And I'm going to replicate this somewhere else, which is um, slightly different. Um, they're, they're almost the same, but not quite. Um, and uh, yeah, I was, I was able to do a whole host of things with that group of documents. And that actually is one of the things that has morphed into a tag now because you have groups and you have tagging in Devon Think. Yeah. Okay. So that brings the next topic, right? Groups and tags. So we're, we're talking about groups in this yeah. segment and you're putting together groups and which is awesome. But Devon Think also has extensive tag support and, you know, yeah. the idea of, you know, groups, which are basically folders. I know Rose just explained the differences um, but it's a single location that you can put a file. So it's an mm -hmm. index. To, to go back to the Lego example earlier, you can sort Lego by color or you can sort them by size or you can sort them by shape. But you can't sort 
a single Lego by color, size, and shape because it only goes one place. Yeah, you'd have to nest the folders, but then you have... So if you sort by color first, then you would have two... Like if, you, if you've got red blue, Lego and blue Lego and you sort with groups, then you've got one folder for red, one folder for blue, and then you sort by size. And so inside the red and the blue, you've got more groups. And that's where, you know, tags can shine. Yeah, well, I mean, even to just take the Lego example a step further, you once you pick a color, then you're never going to get one group with all of the four by four Lego together because you'll have the four by four Lego sorted by each color. So, you know, and that's a physical object, which it has that limitation. Whereas the files on your, on your dev and think database are digital objects and you can index them in multiple ways. You know, going back to the Lego example, you could, um, you could tag a file, color, shape, size, and whatever, and then you can at any time search for a tag and get all of those together. Um, so yeah. that's really nice. And while generally I'm not a huge fan of tags, it's generally because of the poor implementation of tags in Mac OS and the abysmal implementation of tags on iPhone and uh, iPad OS. Uh, DevonThink gives you uh, a tagging scheme that actually works. So. And, and also all the automation tools that allow you to to really put it to good use. So this is a place where you may want to consider doing tags. Yeah, and I find tags have definitely got their place. So for example, all of those documents that were related to my purchase of this place and indeed the actual place have been tagged with my address. Um, and that means that if I'm looking for everything to do with where I currently live, I look at the tag with my address on it. And then I've got all of that. I've got washing machine manuals. I've got the water heater manual. I've got my mortgage documents. Um, I have the the solicitor's information for who I used, um, my, my lawyer essentially that helped me buy the place. Um, and, um, you know, that's all found with tag. Um, if I'm looking, however, for receipts for this tax year, um, I have um, so I have tax receipts as a tag. Um, I also have the year as a tag and I have the month as a tag because our tax years here in the UK don't run January to December. When I was living in Austria, it was very simple. If it, if it was in the year, calendar year, that was my tax year done. Um, over here, unfortunately, not that simple. April to April. Well, because I tag things with um, the year and the month, then I can easily find it. Now I could um, set up a, a system where I you know, tag things based on the tax year and just have, you know, I don't know, uh, 20, uh, 21 to 2022, 2022 to 2023 and so on. But that is not something that I have figured out perfectly how to automate yet, but automatically tagging things with the year and the month, that's easy. And then I can just manually do some cleanup at the end of the year and I'm, I'm sorted. Um, and so that makes it very easy for me to find that sort of thing. And, you know, that, that works really well. And then I've got the smart group and the smart group can give me, you know, the text year of information because it can say, okay, anything with, you know, these tags and was, you know, has the date of between this this time and that time, which, you know, is where smart groups really help with, you know, both your groups and your tags and all of the other metadata that you've got to help you find all of your documents in a way that you can then replicate because you can basically save your search as a smart group. Yeah, okay. And so let's talk about that. That's another form of automation in DevonThink. And yeah. they have smart groups, which are groups that are not generated manually, but groups that are generated based on criteria, you know. Mm-hmm. And getting back to it, we can say, give me a smart group that has every Lego file that is red four by four and 
whatever, you know, and, and so you're going to have multiple tags at searching and it puts together a, a smart group. This is very similar to smart groups or smart folders on iPhone on a, on the Mac. It's also very similar to like smart playlists and historical iTunes or smart mailboxes and Apple mail. It just follows the same um, system. In fact, so much of you hold the option key and hit the plus sign, you get to add conditionals just like you can on the Mac. Um, So it really is just an implementation of a Mac OS feature inside DevonThink. But again, DevonThink is where you're storing a bunch of files. Um, That smart folder system and mechanism is very useful. So why not have it also in DevonThink? Yes, exactly. Um, and and I find that one of the beauties of smart groups, um, and indeed, you know, the Dev and Think database, the Dev and Think database gets synced between devices. So I'm not going to be missing certain files or, um, you know, the, this folder, you know, didn't somehow get created over here and has messed things up. No, my, my Dev and Think database is the source and that contains my smart groups. It contains my tags, which means I download it on another device. I've got all of it. I've got everything. There, yeah. There's no this is missing or that is missing. And so the smart rules are then implemented the same way. If I make a tweak to how a smart rule or a smart group works, then I can then I can use that. Um, and indeed, smart groups are kind of foundation um, for smart rules because the rules have, you know, the search for this criteria and then do these actions. And one of the reasons why Devon Think is so great is you can split that up. So you just want to do the finding. You've got a smart group. You just want to do the actions of a smart rule without the the finding. You can use batch processing or you can have the smart rule, which funnily enough, if you click on it, and this was one of the things I really liked, um, if you click on a smart uh, a smart rule, then it's also a smart group. You can see all the things that the, the rule is going to apply to, um, which is really useful um, for you know all sorts of things. Um, but it does just make my life a little bit easier when it comes to, especially creating rules for things like that. Cause you know, I would often start by just creating, um, a smart folder somewhere to try and find all the files previously. And it's much easier to do in, uh, Dev and think. And that's kind of the next layer of automation with Dev and think. One of the ways I explain this to people is that Dev and think has its own copy of Hazel running inside of it. I mean, it's not feature for feature, Hazel. In some ways, it's better. In some ways, it's worse. But mm-hmm. it's a very complex trigger slash action automation system uh, that can be triggered on a bunch of ways and perform a bunch of actions on files in your Dev and Think database. And I uh, I love it. <laughs> and they call it uh, smart rules. And uh, there's a lot to talk about here. Oh, yeah, there is. So to start with... Um just uh, a little sort of overview reminder for people. A smart rule is a series of criteria that help you find all the files or you know documents um, because it's not just files. It's something we didn't really cover, David. You can have like a website or a link yeah. inside of DevonThink as a web archive, which means that then you can reopen it anytime that you need to um, and you just go straight to it. And that's that's something I actually use a lot more than I thought I would um, because it, it just helps with all sorts of things, especially manuals for stuff where there's a video that helps you. I, I do the same thing. Just to interrupt there. I do the same thing with emails. If you just drag an email to DevonThink, it has not only the email saved with all the text so you can search it, but it also creates a link back to the original email. So nice. you can go back and find it. Same thing. And then you can apply all these rules to it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the smart um, rule starts with 
I'm looking for this stuff. And then it has a series of actions which you can apply to stuff. Um, and so I am just going to open um, one of mine, which is my organized payslips um, rule, so that I can kind of um, help people walk through it. Because one of the things that you want to be careful, and this is however you do automations on files, is the last thing you want to do is end up in endless recursion where you have a rule and it goes and it finds the file and it goes, hey, here's a file. I'm going to run my rule on it. And then it finishes, hey, here's a file. I'm going to run my rule on it. Hey, here's a file. I'm going to run my rule on it. I had this the other day um, in something in my downloads folder. It was renaming it and just endlessly adding, um, you know, local in front of it because I needed which which server I uh, downloaded it from at work. Was it my local server? Was it developer server or something else? Um, and uh, I didn't create my 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 criteria very smartly at the beginning. So what I do with my payslips is my payslips I, I download on my work machine um, and they actually get, um, you know, a little bit of massaging with Hazel and thrown into the right folder, which then Devon think picks up. So one of my criteria for this is that the item is indexed. Um, and that means that, hey, this hasn't been dealt with. But I can also, before that even, I can just say, hey, just search in this, this group. Um, so I can say, you know, just search in uh, a particular group, search in a particular tag, only look in my inbox or, you know, uh, nest down into, into my tags. And so I will reset that back to um, looking into my payslips folder because that's very important. And you can choose to import, uh, include or exclude subgroups as well. So say, for example, you have a, a folder called receipts, but you don't actually, or a group called receipts, but you don't actually want anything um, to end up living in there. You can say, hey, so I want this to be something that is inside receipts, but not in any of the subgroups where all of the you know, actual important organized information is. And then you can say which um, actions you want to be performed and when you want them to be performed, because this is another thing. You, know, you don't just say, hey, I want you to do these things. You can say, I want you to do these things when. So on work days or weekends, when it's created, when it's created via the sorter, before it's saved, after it's saved, um, when I quit uh, DevonThink, when I start DevonThink before or after it syncs, every minute, every hour, all sorts of things. There is a whole bunch of stuff. And one of the things that I really like as well is on demand. And this is what I use when I'm creating a rule. Um, and I think that that is something very useful uh, for people to bear in mind that when you're creating um, a smart rule, um, actually, honestly, anywhere you're doing it, if you can, don't have it run things 100% automatically. Wait until you've got it sorted out and then set up the criteria for how frequently it should run or how automatically it should run. Because especially when you're setting up your import criteria um, or your, your matching criteria for things, you do not want to accidentally, I don't know, import every single indexed item into your DevonThink database, which means that magically everything disappears out of your Obsidian database. Uh, and you may be asking, Rose, that sounds like you know this from personal experience. Yes, yes, I do. I had to restore my Obsidian database twice because I didn't learn my lesson the first time. Yeah, yeah. So let, let me just jump in there a little bit. So, so the stuff you're talking about is is totally some uh, a risk that you have when you have a smart rule system, whether it's Hazel or DevonThink. Yes, absolutely. Wherever you do it. So the way you know, th there's a couple things. Well, you know, so. Rose was talking about the trigger level. You know, what is going to trigger this rule? Yeah. And with DevonThink, the triggers start out with a conditional all whenever you create a new yes. one. So it requires all triggers to be satisfied. 
And so you'll be going through and say, well, the trigger would be that the name is Lego um, and, you know, the metadata or there's a tag that says red or something like that. And um, because by default it's all, uh, it's only going to trigger that rule when you have all of those. But occasionally yes. in your experimentation, you may switch the all to any, you know, yes. <laughs> and then anything with red in it, whether or not it's a Lego, maybe it's a, a, a swatch color for your new bedroom you're going to paint or whatever, you know, anything that's got the red tag applied to it suddenly gets triggered by this rule and crazy stuff starts happening. So yes. um, because there are so many different triggers, um, you have to be very careful. And I think the the beginning point is always make sure you've got the all checked. Only use the any if you really mean to do that. Yes, yes. And anybody who's done this automation stuff has occasionally seen a bunch of files get moved or something crazy happened that they didn't expect. And a lot of times it's that, that it's that damn any button that got you. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yes. And, and the way uh, Hazel works is it, it automatically applies the rules or you can, you can force them. But uh, one thing Devin think does that's interesting as Rose was explaining is you can determine when these rules run, it doesn't have to be automatic, you know, and right. the default of on demand is great when you're testing it because that way yes. crazy stuff doesn't happen without you doing it. Like you push a button and then files move and you're like, okay, now I know what just happened. But yes, I always feel like once you start getting it sorted out, I actually add a bunch more, you know, because yeah. the the times that these run in Devon think are interesting. Like you can have it run on time, like every minute or hourly or weekly or whatever, or you can even break it down to weekdays and weekends, but they also have it. So it runs before you quit the app or when you start up the app mm. or before or after a synchronization. So um, once I get the trigger figured out, actually, once I get the rule figured out, I don't actually do it past on demand until I have both the, the trigger and the action figured out. Yeah. Um, then I, I just hit the little plus button. There's a plus button there. And if you just mash it down like four or five times, it gives you a bunch of them. So you can do it on yeah. demand. You can do it weekly or whatever. And I find that to be uh, a fine way to set the, the timing. Yes, same. And I I have to say, I really do love that there are um, multiple uh, triggers um, for when things are going to happen. So you've got the, the what is going this going to do things on, when is it going to do it? And then, of course, we have the actions um, that you can do. Okay, but be, before we get to the actions, let's take a minute to talk about triggers because um, we've, we've glossed over it. I mean, the the trigger at list in DevonThink is truly remarkable. Like oh, yeah. uh, I talked earlier about email. Um, one of the triggers, uh, well, there's a, a whole group of triggers that are related specifically to email. So recipient or uh, who it's to or who the copies go to can be a trigger. So I talked about earlier how I put emails into DevonThink. Well, when I was doing legal work and I had opposing counsel, um, on a lot of the deals I worked on, anytime I copied one of their emails into DevonThink, one of the triggers it would look at is, is this email from John at fancylawfirm.com? Because I only got one kind of email from John. It would be related to a specific transaction. And that single trigger, this was a case where I could use any, of seeing the email came from him or went to him 
or included him was enough mm-hmm. for Devin think to say, Oh, this is part of that file that you're working on and just grab the email and put it right there into the email yep. folder. And it, it is the detailed triggers that I think make Devin think a real candidate for handling all your digital documents. Yes. Like URL is another one. Rose was talking about websites. If it, if you always get stuff from a certain website in relation to one certain project, you can have it look at the URL and use that. I mean, what are some of your favorite triggers, Rose? Well, I mean, there's just so many. And, and what I really love as well is you can you can do it based on um, like the kind of thing this is as well. So if I added a rule uh, to this, which said kind, then I can say, you know, is or is not, obviously. But then you've got, um, it's a document. It's a group or a smart group. It's a tag. It's an ordinary tag or is it a group tag? You know, you can you can specify that if you want to. And then you can get nerdy. Is this plain text, rich text, formatted, notes, uh, markdown, a HTML page, a web archive, XML files. Y- you get the idea all the way down to other. And if those options that it, it has doesn't do it for you, then you can also, of course, go back to the file extension. But as well as that, you've got all of the metadata that would have would be available in Finder, such as the download URL. And this is something I use for my payslips. My payslips always come from a specific URL. And if it comes from the specific URL um, and it's it's in the folder where you know it, it's coming from an import because I've downloaded it on another machine and it's been shoved into that folder for me to automatically import, then it knows this is very definitely a payslip. Nothing else has fallen into this category. Um, you know, we are good to go. Let's let's work on this because that download URL always begins with. Um, a specific, you know, group and, you know, you can go as far as you like up to, and I've, I think my URL goes all the way up to the specific like payslip number would come after um, what I've got there, um, which means that, you know, if I did download something else from there, say a new contract from the HR website or something, then I could um, specify, you know, that. But I really love the fact that I can say, you know, specifically, hey, uh, this is an index thing. It's come from this URL and it's a PDF. Like it, it has to be all of those things for this to fall into. And, and that's coming after my searching in this particular folder from, uh, this is iCloud. Um, so this iCloud folder just syncs across my devices. Um, and then, you know, and then it, it goes and it magically does all of the stuff to, to, you know, move it and, and, and so on. But there, there's just so many options. And as well as all of the standard metadata, DevonThink has custom metadata, which you can create. So you can add your own special metadata fields and use those as triggers and actions, which is amazing. Yeah. So there's really um, almost no limit as to figuring out what a trigger is. And then once it's triggered, whether using the any or the all modifier, then it's like, what do you do with it? And this is, again, now we're moving to actions there is a tremendous number of actions. So, so uh, you know, the, the usual suspects are there, like change a name, you know, add tags, move to a certain group. That All that stuff is there, which is the stuff that a lot of us will be using most of the time. But it goes way beyond that. Like, we're going to talk later about the classify tool. You can activate a classify based on a trigger. Or, you know, we talked earlier about how DevonThink will import your data, that we recommend that. But you can export a file to an external folder outside of DevonThink with a trigger. So as an example, 
um, let's say you share a Dropbox folder with your accountant. And when an expense record comes in, you file it into DevonThink, and DevonThink does all its magic. But one of the things DevonThink figures out is that, like, hey, this is an expense receipt. Go ahead and copy it out to his external folder in Dropbox with his accountant. And that is, you know, just one additional action you can do with DevonThink. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and what I, I have to say, I'm, I'm just going to go back to the, the on-demand trigger. What I really like about that trigger for smart rules is I have almost that exact setup, David, but I don't have all my receipts export automatically to the folder for my accountants. Yeah. I just do that when I need to export stuff from my accountant. So it's not continually doing that. Sure. Um, and, and, and that means that I can then just modify that export um, thing to say a specific folder or whatever it is, and then it will go ahead and, and do, you know, the export as needed because that basically just, you know, solves a whole bunch of, you know, the, the problems that I have, but the vast majority of what I'm doing is exactly the same every single time, you know, it's going to, you know, sort things into this and that, and then, and then export it and bam, I'm done. But it, it allows me to keep everything in place pretty much and then just tweak the tiny bits that need tweaking, which is one of the reasons why the smart rules are so useful because you don't have to actually run them automatically if you don't want to. You can basically just use them as a saved magic wand of, now go do this magic that I need to do on these things. Thank you very much. Done. Um, which I really like. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just super powerful. And uh, you know, additional things you can do with the with the with the actions is uh, you can change dates. And we're going. I want to talk about tokens. Let's put a, a pin in the token concept for a minute because I think I want to get through yeah. one of the basics. But we haven't mentioned yet that DevonThink has a very strong built-in OCR engine. I think it, they license the Abbey engine. I'm not sure what their underlying engine is, but their OCR is very good. But OCR then becomes an action. So like one of the things I do is I have a smart rule on my inbox in DevonThink. And it just looks for any files that don't have OCR applied and it OCRs them. So anything that's important enough me for me to throw into DevonThink, quite often they're just PDF files that I got somewhere that don't necessarily have an OCR layer. DevonThink does it mm-hmm. automatically for me by just using a simple trigger, which the trigger is look for a file that doesn't have OCR and an action. And the action is, you know, do OCR on the file and run this every five minutes. So it's always looking at the inbox to see if there's something new that needs an OCR on it. And it's just automatically handled for me. Yes. Yeah. And I have to say, I I find that very, very useful um, for a number of different things because you can, you know, reformat stuff using DevonThink. Um, and so a classic example of this is, you know, emails. You were mentioning email import earlier. Um, I use DevonThink to convert that to a PDF. Yeah. Because I can import emails and then the convert to PDF. It is, I will admit, not necessarily the prettiest PDF in the world because guess what? A lot of emails just pretty badly formatted in the first place, to be honest. But oh my gosh, is this so useful? Because Everything in there is exactly what uh, I I need it to be. I've got a PDF of an email that I can send to my accountant that's not an EML file, which the last time I tried to send my accountant one of those, I got a reply going, what is this? It doesn't work. Yeah. Um, to which I've replied, okay, I guess you don't have Outlook. Here's a PDF for you. Um, and I, I, I just change things to automatically convert that. But you can you know, do that sort of thing with DevonThink, which 
just makes it even more powerful. Yeah, I mean, and a PDF is kind of a more permanent record of it in a sense. It captures it in time. Well, yes. The EML has got other stuff in there as well, like, you know, which servers it came through and stuff, which can be very useful, but it's for the vast majority of things completely unnecessary in the grand scheme of filing yeah. and automation. Yeah. So it's just really powerful. You know, so you've got a powerful list of triggers, which gives you a lot of flexibility. And then you've got a powerful list of actions, which gives you a lot of power. And then, um, you know, the last step, which we've been kind of dancing around, is then you've got the, a very precise ability to trigger when that happens, whether it's occasionally on demand or when you start up the app or before you sync or every few minutes or every hour or every week. Put all that together and you've got a really powerful rules-based automation system right in the application. Yes, I completely agree. And there's more we can do if you duplicate a rule, which we'll talk about in a moment. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Post a job for free by going to linkedin.com slash automators. Spring is typically a time of renewal and growth, both personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. So many businesses get wrecked by hiring the wrong people. It's just so important that you have the right person with the right skills, the right attitude, and the ability to help you grow your team. You can find that person with a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rated LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash automators. That's linkedin.com slash automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the automators and all of FM. Okay, before the ad break, you teased us a little bit, Rose. What's on your mind? Well, one of the things that I do is I end up with lots of rules which are similar to each other. Um, and this is not similar in the sense of I should have one rule that applies to all these things and then apply these other things subsequently. It's more a case of, for example, organizing my receipts. I need to do it in a fairly similar manner, but all the receipts come in different formats, right? You know, if I download this PDF from here and this one's coming as an email and stuff like that, it's there's similarities, but there's not enough to really share common logic. But I've already done some of the similar sort of stuff with something else. I can right-click on a rule and duplicate it. And one of the things that I find really helpful after I've done that is the first thing I go and do, I add a new action and I drag it to the top and I change it to cancel. So it, it doesn't actually do anything. And then that yeah. allows me to go through and tweak everything um, just in case, just in case, you know, duplicate, add a new action, set it to cancel, put that very first so that nothing's actually going to happen. And then you can go through and tweak all the things and change stuff so that, you know, okay, so I was emailing 
categorizing emails from John at Big Fancy Law Firm um, to this particular legal case. Well, now I'm dealing with Susan at Big uh, Fancy Law Firm, but I'm dealing with um, this particular legal case. However, um, she's also emailing me about other stuff. And so I'm specifically looking for this case reference um, in in these um, email subjects. And they actually need to be organized slightly differently because this is a different kind of case, something like that. And that allows you to take something that you've already done as your basis, because, you know, we all love reusing things. That is copy paste is a fabulous automation tool. People should use it way more and duplicating does much the same, you know, it, it, it creates a copy of it and then you can, you know, go through and, and do all of the other things. Cancel is also a very good action. I should know if you want to temporarily disable a rule, if you're trying to like debug stuff and like, okay, something is going weird somewhere, go through and add cancel actions to all but one of your um, smart rules like do this in any kind of system to be clear, not just Evan think. Um, but anytime you're having problems with magic happening somewhere, cancel all the stuff, like disable it from happening and then like turn them back on one at a time and watch for where the problem then happens and bam, you'll have found your problem. Um, but this is a very useful way um, to, you know, prevent stuff from going wrong when you are in the middle of making more magic by reusing your existing magic. Yeah, so just to kind of put an exclamation point on that, you know, duplicating rules is great, but it is a little bit like dealing with dynamite, and you definitely want to remove the fuse whenever you do that, right? The first thing you do when you duplicate is make sure the rule isn't going to fire off while you're making changes to it. Uh, An alternative method that I like to use is, I talked earlier about the all versus any conditional at the beginning of smart rules, where you can say if all of these are true, then do this. But um, there's there's a kind of a clever workaround. And I cover this in detail in a very detailed video in the Dev and Think Field Guide, if you've already got it or thinking about it. But you can add conditional rules within rules. So um, let's go back to that example of John and what was it, Sally at the at the fancy law firm? I forget. Susan, but Susan. yes, same all difference. Right. <laughs> all right, so normally you would say, you would have the conditional, if all of the following are satisfied, then do this. So if, if, and the trigger would be if it comes from John at fancy law firm, but then you could also just add another one says, if it comes from Susan at fancy law firm and change it to any. Mm-hmm. And so you say, if any of the following are true, it comes from John or Susan. And then suddenly if Sally shows up too, you can add her to the list and the rule still applies. It all happens within one rule. And you don't have to create multiple rules. But then there's another like, and and to me, that would expand to also say, well, what if the subject line has the name of the specific transaction in it? You know, it's the Acme contract. So if the subject line says Acme contract, or if it has comes from John or Sally or Susan, if any of those four are true, right? Um, but you can go a level deeper on that. And if you hold down mm-hmm. the option key while adding additional triggers, you can add sub conditionals. So like, yeah. let's say that, um, uh, John, I've got two cases that involve John suddenly. So the trigger isn't accurate with John. If it just puts everything into this one file, it may be something on the other file that's coming in for John. So then I can say the top conditional would be any, if any of the following, if it comes from Sally or Susan, or if it has the Acme contract in it. But then if it comes from John, it may be the Acme contract or it may be the XYZ contract. So I I hit option and then the little plus sign. And this is why I'm telling you to watch the videos, guys. This is hard to explain on, on 
with audio, but hit the option plus sign. Then you can say, then if all of the following are true under the any. So basically you're adding uh, additional conditionals inside. And so if it comes from John and it says Acme, then put it in the Acme file. And then over on the XYZ one, I'd have a similar one that says, if it comes from John and it says XYZ, then we'd go to the XYZ file. You just got to be aware of that and just kind of really put your programmer brain on about those conditionals as you create them. And if you're intentional at the time you set those trigger series up, it will work great. But if you let your guard down and just kind of fly through them really quick and you get an any where there should be an all, you know, all hell breaks loose. So just be careful. But if you do that right, I do it all the time and it's really not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And this is really useful. So say, for example, uh, John and Susan share an assistant, Jack. So even if you're dealing exclusively with John on one case and Susan on another case, Jack might be emailing you about both cases to, you know, organize a meeting or something like that. And you'll want to classify that appropriately. So then you could say if it comes um, from John or it comes from Jack and has this subject, or you can say, okay, if it contains this in the subject and it comes from John or Jack, and you'll need to figure out which one is most appropriate. And this is why I like adding uh, this cancel action. Because um, to be clear, um, I should note, you can turn off um, a smart rule in DevonThink and then it tra- it changes color in the sidebar to be a lighter gray by unchecking the checkbox next to perform the following actions. And I do that and I add the cancel because I move the cancel down an action every time I've reviewed it and changed it or modified it or added stuff um, to it so that then I know, okay, this is where I'm up to. This is especially useful if I'm quite busy and moving back and forth between different things and tackling multiple problems at the same time as I want to do when dealing, especially with taxes. I don't know what it is about taxes but I often end up going, right, now I need to go fix this thing and, and digging that out and sorting that and then coming back to um, what it is I was on. So by having the cancel rule, which I just drag down as I go, um, then I know where I'm up to. And then anything after that point, which I've not finished sorting out, is 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 gone um, or not going to happen um, at the very least, which, you know, and then the final step is, you know, turn the checkbox back on um, afterwards. But I find that to be incredibly useful as a tool, um, along with things like changing the creation or modification date of documents. Um, Because especially if you're importing email, you know exactly when that email was sent and modified because you can't modify an email after you've sent it. Like technically you can modify your local copy of the email, but that does not actually change what was sent. Um, And so you can change that to have those dates. Um, and you can also set uh, a document date, which is, you know, metadata on the document to say, hey, this is the date of the document, which, you know, could be very useful if, for example, I don't know, you're you're preparing a, a birthday bonanza series of things. You can have a document date of the birthday. And so you know that everything is related to all of that or whatever it is that you need to do. But I, I find this to be um, a very useful combination of things in DevonThink. Yeah, totally agree. And the flip side of these power tools is on the actions. And I want to talk a bit about tokens because we've talked about actions, like you can rename a file. But what I didn't mention was the idea of tokens. If you are a Hazel power user, you know about tokens. Well, they've got them in DevonThink too. Uh, And this means when you go to, for instance, set a name of a file. You know, that, that's the one that I think people probably use the most or change the name. Mm-hmm. If you, if you hit the, there's a little plus sign next to the name field and you can, um, 
insert what they call placeholders. Actually, it's not plus sign. You right click and then it says insert placeholder. But they have so many tokens you can use. And these are things where the program puts data in for you that it pulls out of itself. So uh, the name of the file, the aliases, we didn't, you know, alias isn't really automation related, but it's a dev and think cool thing you can do. Uh, you can put the kind of file, the link, the tags, so you can literally add tags to the name automatically. Um, you can add index numbers, counters. Um, you can pull amounts out of the document, like a like a number on an invoice, like the cost, and then add it to the to the name. Um, it has a Bates numbering system. Um, if you've got it in a group, you can add the group name to the file name. So if you've got the correspondence from John and we'll call it opposing counsel correspondence, it'll add that to the file name. Mm -hmm. And all that stuff is done with this token system, which you just right click and say, insert placeholder. I, I always felt like this is like buried in Dev and think, I think a lot of people use Dev and think for rules and don't even realize this stuff is there. Uh, postal code tab line breaks. And then on top of all that, they've got a whole bunch of date stuff you can do. And so you, if you want to get the current date of the, that you're doing the rule, you can add it. If you want to get the date it was added to your library, because there's always a problem with documents that you add to something like Dev and Think. It's like if you add it and then you put the date in the name, the date it's going to use lot often is the date that the rule is run, not the date the file was created. So like using the addition date helps, but the creation date is even better. And a lot of times you can go and get the creation date out. You can even have it look at the file and try and find the date and put it. Yeah. So it's just really, um, you know, the, the, and I have on it, I think I've covered like 50% of the available tokens in this long rant. So, you know, if you use Dev and think, please figure out placeholders because it's going to really up your game. Yes. Yeah, it really is. Um, and, and I should know, I mentioned earlier custom metadata, and I feel like this is worth talking about here again, because custom metadata is essentially, you know, Devon think is a database. You're adding more fields to your, your, your documents and things inside of the database so that you can sort them even better in, in various ways. And so, for example, um, one of the things that I use Devon Think for is um, helping organize my receipts and other information for taxes. Um, and this means that I need to know how much something was, uh, when did I purchase it, and who did I purchase it from, and which business did I purchase it under, and so on. Those are, you know, the, the cost and, and the date. Those are standard metadata fields. The currency that I purchased it in, not such a standard field, but I added it because I could. Um, and now I have the option to have currency. Um, and if you open references, you'll, you'll probably want to do this on the Mac. You, it's, I don't think you can actually um, access this and change this on iOS. Um, Devon Think to Go is, is a very useful tool, but it is very much, you know, I'm taking my data with me rather than I am doing all of the magic. But you can add uh, a new field. Um, to this. And you can specify what kind of field it is as well. So it's a Boolean, which means checkbox, right? An integer number. So a whole number or decimal number. You can have single line or multi-line text, identifiers, rich text, URLs of specific kinds. So um, say, for example, you know, you need to organize stuff that's come from certain different kinds of internal websites. Then you can have an internal web link as well as the public web link. Um, for for things, um, 
item links are another one. Um, dates. There's also sets. Uh, sets are choices. So you can have, you know, six or seven different things. So I could have a set for which podcast is this um, so that I can, you know, um, organize things by podcast. And then there's countries and languages, which pre-populates with a list of different things, obviously countries or languages, depending on which one you choose. But being able to add custom metadata definitions means that you can use those to find documents and then you can update those fields and then use them to name things. And this is something that I have done um, for a number of different things. So um, tax, um, how much tax was paid on something if I've if I've had to pay tax on something, that is a field that I have added. And when um, I import my IKEA receipt, uh, sorry, not my IKEA receipts, my Apple receipts, uh, it scans the text for the regular expression VAT charged at twenty percent, and that looks for any number of literally any characters. Unfortunately, because the email it seems to have changed format a little bit, and it should just be white space, but that doesn't always work. That looks for the pounds symbol, the UK. British pound symbol, uh, a number of numbers, uh, a dot, and then a number of numbers again. And the 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 backslash D, which is a number plus backslash um, full stop backslash D plus that that is the regular expression for the numbers for dot numbers. Okay, so the amount of VAT charged. I put that in brackets, and then I can change the VAT to backslash two, and that is the group that I've picked um, from that information because that basically just fixes it. Um, and it's amazing. And I can also scan the text for the amount. Um, and this is something that I think is really, really useful. The scan text feature inside of DevonThink allows you to scan text for string, date, um, amount, or regular expression. And so you can scan for you know specific information. And if you know, for example, bank statements from your bank always have the word statement date for the date then you can put a prefix in there. Um, and it, if you if you look, it says prefix star suffix. So if you if you know that the thing you're looking for that you want to put in this particular field always comes um, between this word and that word, then you put this star that, and you and then that bit that you scanned is a group. And every every time you scan, that creates more groups. And so if I scan three things, then the first one, backslash one, backslash two, backslash three. Um, and then those brackets, you know, help you inside of that. And that is just so useful in regards to organizing and categorizing things and getting data that you need. Because I don't know about anybody else, but I hate going through a massive pile of receipts um, looking, okay, like, did this one have tax on it? Yes. How much tax was that? Okay, write that into a spreadsheet. No, I have... Devon think do as much of this magic as possible. And then I can just look at the receipts and I can easily instantly see which ones don't have VAT on them, which ones don't have the tax charged. Um, and um I can I can check them. And if they aren't supposed to have tax, then I've got a I've got a special checkbox for that. And then I can just, you know, find the ones that I do need to deal with. And it does make my life much easier to handle. And then I should note my receipt one for email stuff. It's specifically convert and continue to PDF paginated. The convert and continue is important because then you're working with your new document, which of course is something that makes life uh, much easier when you need that sort of thing. But there is so much you can do with the metadata. I highly recommend taking a look at that. It is a power user feature. Even if you're not a power user, go poke at it. 
then ignore it for as long as you need until you go, I really wish that most of my documents had this field. Bam, custom metadata. This episode of the Automators podcast is brought to you by Doppler. Sync environment variables at scale with Doppler. In software development, secrets are private pieces of information that act as keys to unlock protected resources or sensitive information. So you can imagine the stressful days of configuring, managing, and sharing secrets across different teams and clouds. Well, those days are over. Introducing Doppler, the first universal secrets platform. It enables developers to automate the pain away of managing secrets and ENV files, which are a type of hidden file used when working with secrets. Doppler is your team's central source of truth for secrets and app configuration across all environments and clouds. Whether your secrets are in Docker, AWS, Vercel, or anywhere else, Doppler works where you work. And as your stack evolves, Doppler remains simple. More than 11,000 customers across all company sizes, from startups to enterprises, use Doppler. So they can keep their secrets and app configuration in sync across devices, environments, and team members. So say goodbye to .env files, set up Doppler for your team in less than four minutes. Sign up via Doppler slash L slash automators. And that's all in lowercase. Once again, that's doppler.com slash L slash automators, all lowercase. Go there now and check it out. Our thanks to Doppler for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. So uh, we've gone through rules and it, it is crazy and you can do almost anything with rules and Devin think, but there are some additional stuff where they're taking advantage of the artificial intelligence. And these are some rules, what I consider to be unique to Devin think I've never seen them anywhere else before. And my favorite is the classify tool. And it's similar to the earlier group, similar items tool I was talking about, but it's better and more powerful. And uh, it's accessed in the inspector and mm-hmm. what it does is it uses the DevonThink artificial intelligence and it will look at a file and say, I think this belongs there. You know, it'll figure out, and it's for grouping files. It's, I'm sorry, it's for putting files into groups more than tagging. And, uh, but as you teach it, it gets really smart at this stuff. Like if I was talking about earlier about that case, if I started putting emails and documents that had the Acme contract data in it, DevonThink would be looking at that. And as I did it two or three times, it would increasingly mm-hmm. start to realize, oh, wait a second, anything related to this case he wants in this group. And if you go in the classify tool, it'll show you, hey, this is where I think it belongs. And you can just hit a keyboard shortcut and drop it in. If it's wrong, you can search out the proper place for it. And then it'll remember that going forward. It kind of reminds me of how, you know, like when Alfred or LaunchBar starts to recognize that anytime I type OF, I want OmniFocus, you know, or, you know, the the app starts to pay attention to how you act. And then it starts giving you what it thinks that you want the most. And the more you use DevonThink, the better the classify tool gets. And I, I find this just... It's, it's like an, uh, the best kind of automation in the sense that you're not preparing the rules or writing the underlying algorithm. The application is building that algorithm itself just based on the way you use the app. Yes. Yeah. I should note that you can get to the classify just through the right-click menu on a, on any document or, or, or file in DevonThink. Um, if you right-click, then underneath group items, right above batch process and apply rules, there's classify as well. Um, yeah. And it, it is just a great kind of magic um, and something else with the classify tool. If you have multiple DevonThink databases, 
you can cross the streams. Now, usually Ghostbusters don't cross the streams. That's probably what you're aiming to do with multiple databases, especially if you've got a separate work one to a personal one and, and things like that. Um, because especially looking at the sync options, if you've got you know secure work data that you know shouldn't be going various places, you can have an entirely local um, dev and sync database that's synced over your local network. So it, it's not even like going out to the internet or you can sync through Dropbox, iCloud, um, et cetera. Um, but you can say, hey, do I want to classify this based on content, based on tags? And yes or no to current database only. Um, and that current database only flag could be very useful if you do just want to you know, classify things within your current database. Or if you've got multiple, then you can you know, potentially just move things around. So if, for example, all of, I don't know, your finance documents go on one particular database and all of your manuals for things go in another database and then the third database is for everything else. If you've got something that looks like a manual in your everything else database, then it'll probably, if you've got the other database open, suggest moving it to the other database. Um, but of course, um, you know, it's up to you and how you structure things. Personally, I've gone for folders inside of one main database for the vast majority of my things. But being able to move it somewhere else as part of the classify tool is really very useful when you have that system. Yeah. I, I just find it, it's an amazing tool. And if you've got, you know, the typical thing where you just scanned a bunch of documents or got a bunch of stuff given to you and thrown into your inbox, uh, just open classify. And the first few times, the first few sessions, you're going to probably have to tell it a few times and no, not that one, but this one. But then it gets to a point where it just works. I mean, it, it is, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's just the best kind of automation. You know, when you, you actually don't write in the automation, the software does it for you. I mean, that that's what the, yes. the hope for the future is, right? That, uh, you know, 20 years from now, you're not going to be writing triggers and actions. The computer would be smart enough to uh, intuitively understand what you want it to do. Yes, definitely. Um, and while you're over in in the sidebar, that's where you know the classify tool appears. Um, you know, you can also have a poke around and look for look at some of the other options that you've got there as well, because that's other ways in which you can organize your your database or, or look at information. There's even a graph view, which is uh, frequency um, versus um, oh, I've forgotten the the other option of how frequently you access that particular file. Um, but you can also over here, this is something we've missed, David, reminders. I, I, I forgot to talk about reminders in Devon Think, um, and I can't believe it because that is so useful. So say you have um, a regular maintenance task that you need to do. Um, so for example, um, maintaining your lawnmower, but your lawnmower can be a bit tricky to disassemble and you always end up going and searching for the manual to do it. But you can actually just straight up add a reminder to the manual um, for that document. So you get reminded once um, today, tomorrow, in two days, in a week, um, or you can be reminded on a regular basis, hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, and then you can go through and, and set up you know, your, your complex or however frequently you want this to come up. And so you can say, if you select monthly, for example, you start by specifying a date and time, You know, the next time you want this to happen, then you can say, okay, every X months, um, each on the 11th, for example, or on the first day, first uh, weekday, um, you know, first Saturday, Sunday, whichever day of the week it is, first weekend, um, or there's also the other option, second, third, fourth, fifth, last, and so on, allowing you to have 
um, the document pop up in your reminders, which is a smart group that you have um, for um, things like that. So, um, or a smart rule, it's an automatic smart rule. And you can add an alarm as well, which will even do things for you, like play a sound or add it to your reading list or open it or run JavaScript or Apple script or an external script for you, all sorts of things. But um, yeah, there's there's lots of good stuff in the sidebar along with the classify tool, which is definitely amazing. The first few times I used it, I was like, what black magic is this? And uh, just in case there's something that you want to exclude from the classification, that's in the very first tab in the sidebar, where if you the I, um, if you look under the generic sec, um, segment in there, right at the bottom, exclude from classification. There's also options to exclude things from the search or wiki linking or see also or tagging or whatever it is if you want it or need to. So that that can be very useful if you need that. Um, but I haven't yet found a need to exclude anything from the classification, David. I don't know if you've had an instance of that. No, I haven't really come across it, but I really look at classification just as a tool that I put to use. And I, yeah. I don't, especially now that I'm not a lawyer, I have even less reason to be too worried about that, but it's very powerful. And then the other thing that's kind of unique to Devon think is it has a whole document automation system built in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about automating documents the entire show. So I think you might need to give people some more detail there. Yeah. So it's like they're document templates. So an example would be like, if you like one of the built-in ones is like the day in review and it's a document that generates and it puts a list of questions and things that you would do for your day in review and you can modify the template. It can also uh, create a populated set of groups or folders. Like if you want uh, uh, folders, you know, one through 31. So like if you were doing a, a GTD, system where you'd have a folder for each day where you're copying documents to like uh, mm-hmm. um, you could generate the folders for you. It could do a Dewey decimal index system. Like no matter mm-hmm. how you want to like put things together, it can do that for you and you can create your own document templates. So if you've got things you do all the time and, and you know, we haven't really mentioned Devon think as a note taking system, but that's not really the purpose of this automation show, but there's one there and you can automate the process of creating those notes. And then if you want to take it to the next level, you can have it execute Apple scripts to do like fill in fields at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it can grab data from elsewhere in your dev and think database or, or, or query you for like, who's the name of the person at this meeting or whatever. And it will fill that in for you. So there's a whole document template system which is an automation system also built in. So it's like every few years, Devin Think just goes another direction with automation to make it even more powerful. That's why it needed a yeah. whole episode today. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one of the things I really like as well. So going back to my um, my uh, example of the taxes, if I select documents um, in Devon Think and I go to the tools menu, one of the options is create an expense report. So going back to the cost and the date fields that I was talking about earlier, I can actually create an expense report for you based on that information. Um, and and some of the and you know that's just something that's built in. There's also creating tables of contents, uh, metadata overviews, summarizing highlights or mentions, um, and even doing things like merging documents. So it really can, you know, go completely nuts on these things if you want um, with all of that sort of thing, just to you know add as much or little data as needed to help you find things and organize stuff as needed. 
which is truly powerful. Yeah. So Devin Think, if you like to automate, you're going to like Devin Think. It does everything. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've given you a lot to think about today. This is this one is a, a more technical episode than we've covered in past, but we got into the nitty gritty because you kind of have to to understand what you can do with it. Uh, like Rose said, they've got an excellent forum at Devin Think. If you want my field guide and you get ten dollars off. Just remember that code that we're going to use. I'm going to put it up today. Hooray Automators. And it's going to run for a few weeks after this episode publishes. You get $10 off. And uh, man, if you uh, if you want a better way to manage files and you want to automate that, DevonThink is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. And if somehow DevonThink doesn't cover what you need, I should mention scripting support. <laughs> of course, it has scripting support yeah, it and it does. comes with a whole bunch of uh, scripts built in, like a daily backup archive or exporting to bookends for um, referencing systems, uh, rotating images, all sorts of things. There is just so much that you can do, even add uh, something as a to-do to OmniFocus reminders, the hit list things or your calendar. You know, it's it's just all right there. And those are the the example scripts that you can just get from the the Devon Think um, folks. And then, of course, people have written them, so you can just steal those. So I suspect um, we're going to have quite a few people automating a whole bunch of documents pretty soon, David. Hopefully they figure out how to automate the origami swans because that's the one thing I have not figured out how to do with Devon Think. Um, and I haven't asked their support yet. Their support was very responsive last time I, I, I pinged them with a question. So uh, maybe I should try, but I don't know how well it's going to do with origami swans. Well, I, I think that... Um one of the things we didn't really mention in the show it's it, it is a small development team but they are very automation they're enthusiasts of automation so oh yeah they keep bringing things and the reason why there's so many great apple scripts i'm convinced is every time somebody writes an email to them asking for some feature they'll just they just write and publish an apple script to add the feature in essence via apple script because it's just so powerful so yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a great app, and I'm a huge fan, and I use it every day. We're going to get into that with the uh, with the bonus content today, but um, I I use DevonThink a lot, and I've really come to rely on this stuff. Yes, same. All right, uh, we are the automators. You can find us over at relay.fm/automators. Uh, you can weigh in on this at talk.automators.fm, which is the forum for the show, and so much great automation stuff going on there. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors today. That's Collide, LinkedIn Jobs, and Doppler. Uh, thank you for all your support. Please check out our sponsors, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everyone.